You're listening to UP Tech Talk, the podcast from Academic Technology Services and Innovation at the University of Portland, where we explore the use of technology in the classroom, one conversation at a time. Welcome to UP Tech Talk. This is Ben Kahn at the University of Portland. Today I'm joined by my co-host, Maria Erb. Hey, Ben. Hey, Maria. And we have with us in the studio today a recurring guest, one of our favorites, uh, Rebecca Gaudino <laughs> from our School of Theology here at the university. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. And you really are one of our favorites. And uh, for, for <laughs> one of the reasons that we were just talking about a second ago, because you really find this way to connect with your students that's very unique and uh, very soul connecting, you know, and, and I you. feel that that's a really important thing and uh, we don't hear a lot about it. So we're just really great. Um, it's really great that you're here so we can talk about this, this topic. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And so you're here to kind of talk about your upcoming um, talk that you're going to give mm-hmm. as part of our UP Crossroads series with the overarching theme of um, ethicism and technology and kind of mm-hmm. how those two things go together or should go together. Mm-hmm. And I think culturally, politically, societally, we're kind of in a moment right now where that's kind of coming to the forefront and a lot it's getting a lot more attention than it has mm-hmm. in recent years or in the past. Um, so I think we'd like to hear from you a little bit about how you kind of came up or how you approach just that broad topic of mm-hmm. um the hum- bringing the humanity into your use of technology. Mm-hmm. Um, probably a good way to for me to start would be to talk a little bit about my philosophy, you know, wh- what I think about all of this. And some of this comes uh, after my reading about technology in the classroom by people who find it uh, something that's not a good good direction to go in our in our classrooms, and they critique the use of technology as something that separates students, that isn't a so that isn't social, something that can often be uh, random, that can be very shallow, doesn't call for some kind of deep thought. Uh, it can be scattered, moving from this to that, a very passive. Um, they're just clicking buttons or or boxes or or whatever. And those are the kinds of critiques that I've read, that I've come up with, uh, upon in, in literature over the last maybe five years or so. And so I've been thinking about that, and uh, I have a, a, a pedagogical theory that kind of under undergirds my teaching, which is called Authentic Learning, capital A, capital L, which talks about how to approach teaching and the classroom and students and how to bring their their learning and my teaching into dialogue with their lives and what they are preparing to do with their lives. And that, for me, another area that I'm interested in is educational or, or cognitive neuroscience. And I've been reading a bit about that. And that supports this, I think, this authentic learning. And some of the things that I've found in reading in the, this area of cognitive neuroscience, which itself is, can be, uh, um, it, it's also relatively new, right? Mm-hmm. But some things that you can that kind of fall out and that seem to be generally true is that uh, students' learning is not 
if, if we try to say it's all about cognition, for example, it's about critical thinking and critical reflection, and we try to separate out um, things like emotion and intuition and cognitive function, if we begin doing that kind of separation, uh, that, that does not support the way thinking and reflection happens. We are whole people. And our brains work as a whole, uh, as a as a whole system, so that emotion, uh, sensory stimuli, uh, uh, thought, uh, intuition, all of those things are a part of learning. And so, uh, what what I've found is that. Uh, Learning really is encouraged when students have multiple, multiple stimuli, including sensory stimuli. It, uh, their learning is really encouraged when they can do active learning, when they're participating in the learning and, and doing things that teach them. And that seems to be a part of a, of a story that they, that's very memorable for them. And also that they can make connections between the subject matter and their own life and their own their their world, and so all of those things to me lead to a uh, my understanding of of teaching and learning as uh, about engagement, engagement of the person, the, the whole person, engagement with the community in the classroom and engagement with the community outside of the classroom. So that's kind of my, my basis. And I have a couple of ethical principles that, for me, are, are, are grounding all of that. And one of those is about honoring the human being as a whole person, body, mind, everything, soul, and then honoring that the person as a social being as well, and not just as the individual. And with all of that, it seems to me that technology, it has a real opportunity to be a part of, of meeting those challenges. And so for me then, uh, I've thought, how can I use technology very strategically to allow me to uh, open up those possibilities? How can I build community in my classroom? How can get, I get my students to think about their own lives? Or how can I get them to tap into you know, all of these different ways of thinking that we often don't always privilege in the classroom. Emotions, mm -hmm. feelings, what place do they have in the classroom, right? And yet the research finds that changing people's minds involves not only critical thinking, but emotion. So how do we bring all of that in? And here technology, I think, really has a, a, a lot of uh, possibilities. And so for me, it meant going back and looking at how I'm teaching, and I, I kind of thought in terms of the, a metaphor of a room with furniture in it. And I thought, okay, which furniture can I move out of this room? <laughs> and which furniture could I add to the room? Or what things are sitting on the wall that I would really like to be centerpieces in this room? And so it becomes those choices of how I wanna, what I want in that room, how I can space it out, what I could do without. And so one of the first things that I did, and I've talked about this before, was just making space in my classroom for these kinds of things that would meet these challenges I'm trying to, to meet. And uh, that meant uh, moving out lectures, 
moving out quizzes and those kinds of things. Um, you all help me figure out how to do that and, and get some of those things online and, and get them streamlined so they're not taking up a huge amount of time out, out of class. And that left me with this, this room. How am I going to, you know, what's the furniture going to be in this room now? And what can I add and, and all of that? And that's where technology has been extraordinarily helpful to me because it's allowed me to bring in things and have projects that students work on together that involve uh, technology and together they create something and and they know to bring their their uh, laptops to, to to class and they'll sit in groups around a table or um, and uh, and Padlet is one thing I've used mm -hmm. and I uh, and and for that I, I give them and, and in this one particular class we're looking at ancient text and ancient prophets right so we're talking about texts that are well over 2,000 years old and how can they connect with them and make them connect with their lives today because they read this old language that's often in uses images that they can't necessarily understand and 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 they'll read something like uh, the the rich are stealing the sandals from the poor and you know, okay. And I, and I have them think about our world today. What's going on today? How can you bring that in today? And so they, they open up Padlet and they share this and they, they bring in music, they bring in videos, they bring in newscasts, uh, they bring in photos. And it's, it's fascinating to watch them as they very carefully choose the music that they want to represent what they're trying to say <laughs> as they find the exact right picture. Uh, and they'll be sitting listening to, to newscasts and deciding this current event needs to come in. They make the connections, and it's beautiful. And then we look at everyone's Padlet to see what have we created and how does that bring this ancient prophet into conversation with our world today. And it does it through the things that are important in their lives, and they're doing the interpretation, the hermeneutics. They're doing all of that not even knowing that they're they're doing it. It's just it works beautifully and and students love that class. Wow, what were you doing before you were able to do that in your class? Um well, I I always wanted them to make the connection with the contemporary world and they would get together and talk. Well, what what are connections that you see, right? Mm -hmm. And so they would it was more uh, just verbal discussion. But adding the technology allows them to actually go out in on the web and all of that and, and grab exactly what represents and, and actually listen to some things and, and follow those serendipitous links that you find mm -hmm. and uh, think about the things, the music that they're already listening to and realizing, oh, listen to those actual words that this group is singing. It's very interesting and they find connections that they didn't even know were there in their lives already. And, uh, and then of course, as they each share their connections with one another, because they're working on this together, they learn and, those, and, and, and broaden the connections they already have. So I, I just think it makes it much more powerful and it's that sensory stimuli, there's the music, all of that, that's a part of that. And uh, what's the feedback you've gotten from your students? I've gotten great feedback on that on that uh, assignment. I've only had one student ever say, oh, I didn't care for that. 
right? <laughs> that everyone else says this is really neat. And and what is this? What is this uh, app? And and do you think I might be able to use this as a, in a special project in another class? That kind of feedback. Yeah. And uh, it's wonderful to be in the classroom when they're working on that because they're very very busy working together. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, and there's it's there's so much going on in your your use of technology is so well thought out and so multi layered. Um, mm -hmm. I think like a lot of the times technology is sold as a way to make things more efficient or mm -hmm. to kind of help us deal with things that we don't really want to deal with. <laughs> oftentimes, whether that's sure. going to the bank or mm -hmm. uh, keeping an eye on our students to make sure that they're not um, struggling in our courses. Mm -hmm. There's all these things that can automate some of that away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's often how technology is sold to like institutions, right, at like a broad level and implemented. Mm -hmm. um, but then I think you're such a wonderful example of just an individual who can who is passionate about what they want to do in their classroom and has found ways that technology can really, you can bring in the pieces that matter to you and really enrich learning for your students. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you went point by point by what you were trying to do in your class based on your personal philosophy mm -hmm. and what you, you know, your guiding principles. And then you were able to match that with a tool that would enable you to kind of bring mm -hmm. out what you wanted to do. And I feel like that level of thinking is what what it's tough to do. It's, it's really tough yeah. to do, but it's also the approach that really needs to be yeah. taken in order to result in something that actually does what you want it to do, results in the results that mm -hmm. you want to get, mm -hmm. um, furthers your, your goals, is in tune with your philosophy, you know, that, that really kind of checks all the boxes. Yeah. And I should point out, too, I hope we didn't gloss over it, that there were those parts of your course that were still critical, um, like the assessment and right. making sure students done the reading. Yes. And, um, that kind of thing that mm -hmm. are still important, but they're not the thing about the class, right? Right. So you did some of that hard work to use technology to streamline those to, things, get mm -hmm. them out of the classroom. Well, like yes. you said, making you space. I yeah. just love that. And mm -hmm. and the, the furniture that you kept in the classroom mm -hmm. was probably the, the stuff that that you wanted to see, you know, that was the most comfortable, but also most beautiful and functional. Mm -hmm. I've read an, an article recently on um, uh, neuroscience and uh religion classes. It's kind of, it's kind of an interesting article. And it talks about moving from informational teaching and learning to formational teaching and learning to transformational teaching and learning. That that's the ethical move, right? We Getting the facts, learning this, okay, how does that help to form us as people who have uh, compassion for others, who have who care about issues of justice and so forth. And then the transformational piece is the generative piece. Now what do I do about this? How does this change my life and the possibilities that are open for me? And it seems to me that if I can get students to connect with the material, see how it has ramifications in their own lives, then I'm moving them towards that kind of generative or transformational learning as they see possibilities there. And I think that technology allows me to, to put them in touch with their community, local to global, right? And, and that is very, very powerful. It sure is. I mean, um, I would love to read that article. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, I would just love to read that. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, a good article. So, You've implemented these ideas in, in one class, at mm -hmm. least. How about in others? 
Um, an, another major class that I teach is the class on suffering and death, and I co-teach that with different people. Right now, I'm co-teaching that with Barb Brabant mm -hmm. from the School of Nursing, and we definitely use technology in there. And one major piece that we are putting in right now and that we're uh, we, we're actually um, getting something published on this. We have a manuscript in review, and we're uh, uh, we're factoring that in. We've tried it out in, in uh, Anissa Rogers' class, Death and Dying, a new class, and now we're going. And that's it, we're, what we're using is photo voice, and that is an amazing tool. Uh, one of the things that we're finding through our research in the last few years that's super important to students encountering suffering, being people who themselves are often suffering, is self-awareness and self-care. And so we're using that photo voice piece to enhance an assignment we already have in place. And the photo voice is uh, uh, asking students to go out and take photographs that represent their own thoughts and feelings in encountering the suffering of somebody else. And the results that we're seeing from that are very moving. And I think that's a really powerful tool that I'm now looking for how to uh, uh, weave into uh, other courses as well. So, yeah. So the students go out and take, take photos, and mm -hmm. then what happens to the photos? They bring those photos to class. Mm -hmm. They reflect on them with others in the class, and we do this differently depending on the class, right? But they share that. Why have I? What does this photo represent? Why have I taken this? And they do that across a series of interviews that they have with someone who has undergone significant suffering. And then towards the end of the semester, they gather those representative photos and they talk about their story as the one who has encountered suffering mm -hmm. and how they have hopefully grown and what they've learned. And it's amazing um, in this manuscript that we've prepared, we looked at what happens in these photos across the interviews. It's, it's just amazing. The, the kinds of, uh, as, one, as one student wrote, it, the photos allow me to get at feelings and thoughts that I don't know how to put into words. And that's getting back to that idea that that the usual cognitive model where everything is verbalized, mm -hmm. yes, that's that's beautiful, that's wonderful, but how can we expand that and enrich that so that we're looking at the person as a whole, right? Intuition, right. feeling, uh, cognition, everything. Are students printing out these photos? I mean, how are they bringing in... They're bringing them share. in on their phones. Oh, okay. So then they're kind of sharing them around, or are they putting them in a central storage space that everybody looks at? It or? depends on which class. In one class, they're doing them on Padlet. Mm -hmm. That's in a smaller class with fewer students, so you can manage that. In the suffering and death class, we have up to 130 Ooh. students in there. Wow. And so there we have students bring them in on their phones, mm -hmm. and then uh, when they share them, we're still figuring that part out, mm -hmm. but... Um, uh, right now we're having them put them on a piece of paper and just print them on a piece of paper to pass. And they show them only to a small mm -hmm. group. Mm -hmm. It's not that they show them to all yeah. people. Right. So we're figuring out that part. But the the Padlet one in the small, much smaller class of around 20, uh, 
that can be shown, right, mm-hmm. with everybody's permission. Mm-hmm. So there's th- challenges in this, but hey, we're moving forward <laughs> 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 because we, we we've just see it's such a powerful tool. Yeah. Um, so this in your uh, in the first class you told us about how long have you been doing the the sort of the new format of your class at least a couple this, semesters this would now? be this would be my third semester okay and uh, where do you think you're headed with this I'm gonna continue to do this I, I look for I'm constantly looking like now I'm adding the photo voice to that class mm-hmm. so that will become part of the the contemporary reflection part for their major paper that they write me and so that I'm I guess I, I keep developing that course and adding things and and tweaking things here and there um, and that's I that's just what I enjoy doing yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. okay well, we, we hope a lot of people will come to the UP Crossroads talk that you're going to give and, and be inspired by yeah. what you're doing in your classroom. We're all Thank looking you. forward to seeing what you have to share, and mm-hmm. hopefully you'll show some of your apps that you use, yes, some yeah. of the different um, work that you've seen from students, and people will be able to leave uh, inspired and, and full of ideas. Yeah, thanks. That'd be great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. UP Tech Talk is a bi-monthly podcast with co-hosts Ben Kahn, that's me, and Maria Erb of Academic Technology Services and Innovation that explores the use of technology in the classroom one conversation at a time. We invite you to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play Music so that you never miss a new episode. To continue the conversation with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at TheBenKahn, that's T-H-E. B-E-N-K-A-H-N, and Maria is at Herb Farm, that's E-R-B-F-A-R-M. For more information, please visit our blog at techtalk.up.edu. You'll find more information about all of our latest episodes, and you can browse our archive for dozens of great conversations with our UP faculty guests. (music) 